Oh, wow. This is a whole weird thing going on here. We are awfully romantic tonight. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to Prospects After Dark on a Sunday night. It is Sunday, March 28th. Uh, and again, hello, Christian. How are you? Happy belated birthday to you, sir. Happy belated birthday to, Chris, uh, to Christian and to Quinn. Uh, look, you guys know how this is. We don't have a whole lot of exciting stuff to talk about. Uh, Holy Shield is already asking for my shirt to come off, which honestly might happen at some point tonight. A uh, couple things just to prep everybody for what we are dealing with tonight on Prospects After Dark. Uh, I have not drank one drip of anything all weekend, really, uh, uh, other than one beer when I was on the elliptical earlier today. And uh, yeah, so anyways, what I'm getting at is I am completely, completely sober. We've learned from past prospects after dark that when I am sober, I am particularly bad at this. Uh, also, uh, when I'm out of practice, I am particularly bad at this. So bear with me, please. Let's see where we go. A uh, friggin' card says, Kyle, good to see you. Friggin' cards, it is even better to see you than it is to be seen by you, if that makes sense. Um, again, look, we, we can go over the Cardinals roster decisions. We can go over anything you guys want. Uh, right now, I don't have any type of uh, uh, comments or questions coming in. So I'm just going to go ahead and give you my general thoughts uh, about what we are seeing from the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, you know, I know a lot of people are going to be kind of upset about Lane. Jesus, I'm taking my glasses off. That's never a good start. Um, ben Clint Butler, Mark, Matt Carpenter. Oh, hey, I like that. Um, uh, let, me, let me text gifts real quick. Anyways, um, yeah, so my general thoughts are I give the Cardinals a ton of credit because other than the middle infield, they're taking what is probably, and maybe Cody Whitley, uh, they're probably taking their best team north with them. Uh, that's exciting. You know, I, I definitely think there was a spot for Cody Whitley. Definitely think that Jose Rondon specifically maybe earned a spot as the, the uh, utility infielder. I get why Edmundo Sosa is coming north with the club. I don't really have a problem with it. When you're talking about splitting hairs, um, you know, you're talking about splitting hairs when you're talking about bringing your 26 guy. I, I'm a little interested in the 13-13 split. Um, but again, I meant to look, and I don't know, of pitchers and roster players. I meant to look, and I don't know, uh, is that, like, can they only bring 13 pitchers? Uh, I would like them to bring more pitchers. But then again, they don't really need that uh, many pitchers uh, early on in the year because they have so many off days. Uh, so as we get back into sobriety, uh, what we are going to do is we're going to pour this dogfish head campfire amplifier, which uh, is described as uh, blah, 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 uh, as a beer. Um, we're going to pour it into our awesome Birds on the Black mug that supports minor league baseball players that you can buy uh, at the Birds on the Black gift shop. Uh, uh, whoa, what's that? Oh, it's campfire amplifier by dogfish head. Uh, uh, I got it in Charleston, Illinois, and it was, uh, it's really good. It's really good. It's really smoky. Um, it's supposed to taste kind of like a s'more, but you get most of the smoke flavor. Uh, KJ Dunn 97 says, I understand Rondon slowed down and Sosa was out of options, but I feel Rondon was a better fit. I can't argue against that. You know, I think that Rondon's a better fit. I think that's probably part of the reason why we've seen Austin Dean in the infield too. I wouldn't be surprised that unless it's the spelling the young, it's short. If we see more Austin Dean at second <laughs> than, than anything else, if we see more, more Dean at second than Sosa, uh, I, I think that there's a better offensive fit there. And when you're talking about like, you know, when you're talking about formulating a roster, specifically this roster that which still might struggle offensively, I, I would have liked to have had just that little extra jolt of offense that Rondon appears to be able to bring as compared to Sosa. Uh, again, I like that these are the conversations we're having. I'm glad that we're not talking about a second base battle that shouldn't even be a battle. 
that's a positive. I think the outfield has pretty well sorted itself out. I'm still anxious to see how often John Nagowski gets at bats and Austin Dean gets at bats as compared to Justin Williams. You know, for me at this point, I feel like you have to run Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson and Justin Williams out there semi-regularly to start the year. Uh, and until either Bader comes back or you feel comfortable with Nagowski in a corner, which I still don't, uh, or you think Austin Dean is just too good to pass up on getting regular at bats. Uh, but I, yeah, it's definitely Rondon was definitely the better player in spring between the two. Uh, Croppy twenty five says, "Been a while since I've been able to join. Feels good to see you, Croppy twenty five. It is a pleasure to see you. I will raise my uh, my mug here. This awesome mug that you can buy at Birds on the Black. Uh, to all of the pad people, welcome back to Prospects After Dark. Before we get too deep into it, we should probably address the fact that Periscope only has three more days of existence." which probably means that this iteration, whatever that even means, of Prospects After Dark has three days left. As of right now, I am planning on doing a Prospects After Dark on Wednesday, a final goodbye to Periscope at the very least. And then from there, we'll see how it goes. I know that Twitter Live is a thing, but as most people who have ever encountered me know, uh, for a 35-year-old in the technology age, I don't understand technology. So I'm going to need somebody to come over here and physically turn Twitter Live on every time I decide to do Prospects After Dark. Uh, uh, so that's where we're at with, uh, uh, Periscope ending. But I just wanted to say, as we come to the end of Periscope, that I am grateful for that format and that platform to be able to be a part of a wonderful community of prospects after dark people, uh, that have helped cultivate a community in and of itself. I, I, it's just a really, really awesome thing, uh, to, to, that we were able to come together for a, a short period of time through what will eventually be an obsolete platform to talk about St. Louis Cardinal baseball and, and what was always a welcoming and fun environment. It, it was never hostile, uh, except for to Nicole once, uh, and uh, interpreted maybe hostile by some. The only person who was ever hostile on Prospects After Dark was the asshole who talks. Uh, I was the only hostile person, and I am forever regretful for the hostilities that I might have thrown towards people uh, in, in moments of um, ego running wild. Uh, so yeah, I guess all of that is just to say that like, this has been fun. We'll probably keep doing it in some capacity. Uh, I'm also at a weird spot where I don't really enjoy baseball anymore the way that I used to. And I don't think I'm going to start enjoying it until we get minor league baseball that we can watch. Like minor league baseball is ingrained. I don't feel the same way when I'm watching college baseball. It just doesn't hit me the same. Um, so, you know, I, I would imagine that for the first, the next month, I'm still going to be kind of on the outs with baseball. I'm still going to be kind of on the uh, uh, the periphery of Major League Baseball, still tweeting, still acting like an asshole. But my fire for baseball is at an all-time low because of this. So uh, just bear with me. Hopefully we can grind through the next month and then we can watch Minor League Baseball. And some of the love, uh, the innate love that I have for baseball can bring, uh, come back to the surface. Uh, let's see, Gancho Flynn says Albert Pujols coming home. Maybe, maybe that could happen. Uh, 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 maybe that could happen in some type of future, maybe a year from now. We'll see what happens with Albert this last year. You know, he's chasing 700 home runs. I doubt he gets it this year. He almost certainly won't get it this year unless something crazy happens. And maybe next year, if there is a next year, see, that's the other thing is you're talking about a CBA at the end of the 2021 season. Uh, but if there is a next year, Maybe he comes back as a DH if the owners and players agree on having a DH moving forward. You know, we'll wait and see. James Goes Boom says, is Adam Wainwright the Phil Dunphy of the Cardinals? James Goes Boom, I don't even know who Phil Dunphy is. I live a very sheltered life. Uh, that's probably a good thing that I don't know what Phil Dunphy is. Torts Illustrated says, give me your opinion on the new international free agent signing. 
Uh, I like him a lot. I like as compared to some of the other pre 18 year old prospects that the Cardinals have signed. Uh, I'm definitely higher on him. I think that his body, he plays with a more mature style. Um, uh, you know, I would say that, uh, um, you know, I also like Cuban players. That's, that's pretty well documented. I wanted the Cardinals to go after Yosemite Thomas. I wanted him to go after Bruce Castillo. I definitely wanted them to go after Luis Robert. Uh, uh, but um, I don't, you know, I'll never be aggressive about um, like over amping a 16 year old kid signed out of the Dominican. You know, Luis Pino is a very, very talented young man, uh, but there is still a lot of work to be done. I definitely think when you're talking about maybe some of the other 16 year old outfielders that they've signed uh, in the international period, like uh, Jonathan Machado, I definitely like him way more than I like Machado. Um, uh, yeah, just keep in mind he's 16 and there's still a lot of a lot of work. I mean, you might be talking about with the new system being the way that it is, the new minor league system. You might, he might not even make it stateside for another three, four years. I, I would imagine that they would like it sooner than that. But, you know, that's what we're going to have to wait, wait and see. Uh, cards Chats says it's pad day, baby. That's right. To Cards Chats, to Cards Gifts, to uh, friggin' cards, I raise my glass. Uh, AQ French says, things weird in here? Not yet. I heard us talking normal, uh, and uh, we'll see where it goes. You know, I pride myself in getting as weird as possible as quickly as possible. Oh, uh, that's terrific. Uh, KJ, the sports guy, has come across a Kyle Reese picture, or Kylie Reese or whatever she goes by. Um, did I fill out a bracket from Austin Stone? I did not, and I've only watched, like, one half of college basketball during the tournament, uh, and that was Missouri versus Oklahoma. Both of those teams were bad. Um, you know, back in the day, I used to fill out the bracket and I used to love it and I used to love college basketball, but I find college basketball nearly unwatchable at this point because of the, the way that the charge is called and the knickknack fouls and that everything seems to be run off of the pick and roll at the top of the key. Like, I'm just not interested in it. It's boring to me. So uh, I didn't fill out a bracket. I probably should have because they're free and you can still win cash. Uh, but I just don't enjoy college basketball the same way either. Uh, I'm going through a whole thing with sports now. I don't know what the hell's wrong with me. My good friend, Stu Styles who I love. I, I, I love Stu Styles with all my heart. I love that his music plays before conversations with Saruti, Ben Saruti's new podcast on the Birds on the Black Network. Uh, Stu is just awesome. I listened to about half of the interview that Stu did with Ben. You got to check it out. Uh, I had to shut it down because I was driving and then I never put it back on, but it was amazing. Stu asks, do you think that they went Woodford over Whitley just in case any starter has a short bat outing? And that is exactly what it is. To me, it seems like uh, uh, Woodford is Daniel Ponce de Leon in 2018 and 2019, the September of 18 and 19, where he might only get like one appearance, but they want as many guys there to protect them innings wise as possible. And, you know, honestly, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, the other thing is I am a little worried about the Cardinals full, like the way that they're fully put together at this point, you know, the, the starting staff isn't that strong as compared to past years. The bullpen looks like a strong point, but some of those guys have kind of struggled, especially throwing strikes. That's not going to play. And the, we, the obvious uh, offensive issues that have gone on for five years now, just with different players. So uh, I would say that as we enter this season, you know, as opposed to last year, other than last year, I think that this is a team with the most questions uh, that we've had entering a season. Um, but to Stu's point, yes, Whitley deserves a spot. He deserved to be on there. 
I would say that you could argue, and you guys know I love Ryan Helsley. I don't mean this to beat up on Ryan Helsley, but I think you could argue that he earns a spot over Ryan Helsley if you're talking about just earning it in spring. Uh, that doesn't mean that Helsley doesn't – Jesus, I've got coffee stains everywhere. I shouldn't have gone into the kitchen. That was a bad idea. Um, that, that hurts for me to poop on. No, um, uh, I just think that uh, uh, Whitley – he'll be here soon. Hopefully that coincides with KK getting healthy. Um I think KK is the big cog in this. You know, obviously Daniel Ponce de Leon is going to start the fourth game of the season because that's where KK is going to fit in. Uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely think it's just about having as many options available to cover as many innings as possible. And today's game, even though it's a spring game, kind of proved the importance of having as many innings capable of being covered as possible because it got really bad there for poor, poor Tommy Parsons and the Cardinals didn't really have an outlet otherwise. Uh, let's see, Crawford. Uh, Y25 says, I heard that 331 was National No Shirt Day. That'd be pretty wild. Uh, I would love that. I'll go walk around. Is today the 31st? When is that? Is that Wednesday? There you go. Uh, Torts Illustrated says, give me MILB. Look, there's a, speaking of the 31st of, of March, and that being the last day on Periscope, I would be surprised if my shirt stays on the entire time. Now, again, we are planning on doing Prospects After Dark on Wednesday night as we enter the 2021 season starting that af- the next afternoon. And also, as we say goodbye to Periscope. Uh, but, you know, anything could happen in the next couple of days. But, yes, I, I would imagine there's going to be a lot of honoring pad tradition uh, in the last episode of Prospects After Dark on Periscope. Uh, March Hayden says, Wong should have never left with Bader out. Edmund could have been in center field. I definitely understand the, like, look, especially, look, Colton Wong is amazing. And he's probably going to have a really good year for Milwaukee. My question is, if Colton Wong stays, are the Cardinals as aggressive uh, to acquire Nolan Arenado? Are they still capable of acquiring Nolan Arenado Arenado, Arenado, from a financial standpoint? Maybe that extra $10 million a year was the difference. Maybe they they can't justify to their books to acquire Nolan with Wong on the roster. But yeah, like, if you're taking out situations and circumstances, if you're taking out funds— then yes, it would be really amazing if Edmund uh, uh, could move to the outfield and be okay out there and have Wong still at second base. But it goes back to the very fundamental issue of having five or six guys that just need an opportunity in the outfield that never get an opportunity out in the outfield and still waiting to see what these guys are. You know, I like the fact that Justin Williams is going to get a little exposure. I like the fact that Tyler O'Neill is going to get a chance to, to prove the kind of player he is. And I know that you're talking about three straight seasons of like 120 to 160 at-bats for him that people think is an indication of the player he is, but it's not. So I like that that's the opportunity that's going to be created, while at the same time creating an opportunity for Tommy Edmond. You know, uh, look at it this way, March. If the Cardinals were committed to that idea, and, you know, I've never been a big fan of Edmund in the outfield in the first place, but they just do it with Carpenter. They put Carpenter at second, uh, or maybe even Austin Dean at second, and put uh, uh, put Edmund out in the outfield. And hopefully we don't see that. Hopefully Williams and or Dean and or Nagowski can take that third outfield spot and run with it. And, yes, I am inking O'Neal in there. Uh, Plastic T says, does Carp get DFA'd this year? I don't think Carp gets DFA'd. I think he he either ends up being a very important bat off of the bench who gets a start a week, or he just doesn't ever get at bats other than in blowouts one way or the other. Uh, Foster the Person says, all of the Savannah Bananas hype train. 
Uh, yeah, so for those of you who don't know about the Savannah Bananas, they're an international league team that has a, a new um, uh, promotion where the fans in the stands, if you catch the ball as a fan in the stand, it counts as an out if it's in foul territory, of course. Uh, just a little fun little gimmicky thing to get them in the news, and they've been all over the news. I've heard the Cardinals broadcast, the Mets broadcast, the Nationals broadcast. I've heard local radio talk about them for weeks and weeks and weeks. That's awesome. Look, whatever gets people talking about it. So to to uh, the Savannah Bananas, Savannah Bananas, and to foster the per- person. Here we go. Now I've got the hiccups. I've had one drink of beer in two days, and I've got the hiccups. We raise our glass. Gibbs says, oh, hell yeah, Gritchick's sister, like, old times. That was wild. I forgot all about that. There's so much pad stuff, really, in three years, three and a half years of Prospects After Dark that I completely forgot about, uh, mostly because of the the malted hops and uh, not bong resin, because I don't do any of that, but basically, uh, I mean, resin of some type. Uh, so there's so, so much stuff that I forgot. Yeah, Gritchick's sister's. Uh, Flaherty's exes, ex and ex-sister, and mom for that matter. Uh, uh, cousins coming in and out. Uh, girls coming in and out. Uh, uh, it's just a whole track down pad nonsense, uh, if, we're, if we're looking in retrospect here in a couple days. Vala Vineyard says, good to see you back. Thank you. Now, Vala Vineyards, I enjoy talking to you as often as possible, my friend. Um, uh, uh, I would say that you are easily one of my favorite people to communicate with on via Twitter on a regular basis. No doubt not to diminish my communications with other people, but I just, I love talking with you and I've loved talking it over with you for, for many, many years. If I had a bottle of that amazing Vala Vineyards wine, I would raise it to you, but instead you get this uh, dogfish head, which we also love. And you've, we've talked about dogfish head, you and I, uh, 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 campfire amplifier. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Burt, the Burtonator says, what can you tell us about Mario Pino? Uh, so that's Luis Pino. We talked about him a little while ago. He goes by the nickname Super Mario. There was a fun little hype video that circulated around Twitter a couple, a couple days ago. Look, he is a toolsy outfielder from Cuba who is super athletic, who maybe if you want to squint and project and hope, you might say, oh, this is a little version of Randy Rosarena, but we're not going to do that because we are still talking about a 16-year-old outfielder from Cuba uh, who's probably two or three years away from even playing a game stateside for the Cardinals and organized baseball, and because we've also seen so many of these kids fizzle out. These are the type of prospects, again, 16 years old, that we don't invest too much into, but he has a quick bat, he has an athletic frame, he has a mind for baseball, and like I mentioned earlier, uh, and take this for whatever it is, because it doesn't really mean anything, but I would say that of all the international signings that the Cardinals have had in maybe the last, uh, since 2016, um, and that includes Yvonne Herrera, I would say that I like him the most. You know, Herrera gets a ton of credit for, for the, from a hitter perspective. You know, that uh, uh, Johan Oviedo, like they've had some good pitchers. Alvaro Sejas, who has, just hasn't materialized yet. Um, others. But from a hitting perspective, he's the one that I like the most of the kids who were 18 or under. Uh, it's just a matter of how it all comes together and what it looks like. Because, again, this is that wide delta of success and failure uh, really on display at the like the premium, if that makes sense. Carson Martin says, good camp for Delvin, right? Yeah, yeah. Look, nothing but positives from Delvin Perez. That doesn't mean he's going to be a major league all-star. Uh, it doesn't mean he's going to be a major league re- regular. But I really feel comfortable for the first time saying that this is a kid who has put himself on a trek for a major league debut, which... 
again, I know people don't like to hear this. That makes him a pretty solid first-round pick. You know, Pete Cosma. Say that he becomes some version of Pete Cosma. That's a good first-round pick. People hate to hear it. But uh, when you think about how random and fickle the Major League Baseball draft is, and you, you have that perspective, and you see the results and how early draft picks end up uh, 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 failing on a regular basis, you can really take into effect that, like, Delvin's done some good stuff. And this is a really, really positive thing to see him do this. I don't know where he's going to start. My guess would be that he's at high A Peoria uh, and then maybe with a chance to get to Springfield by the end of the year. But the Cardinals might need to get aggressive with him. Uh, Maybe. But, you know, that's the other thing in all of this. With the minor league season starting a month from now instead of just a couple weeks from now like it otherwise would have, you don't really get much of a feel for, for what the right thing is or what. Uh, what might be the next step in his development. James goes boom, goes, for me to poop on. Well, Avenger says, why do you think that Oviedo pitched so little this spring? Injury? I do not think uh, it's injury. I just think that the Cardinals, like, when the Cardinals called on Oviedo last year, he was on the 40-man, he was impressive in spring training, and they needed arms at that time. Under any other circumstance, we wouldn't have seen Oviedo last year. And I think that as they entered spring this year, they wanted to kind of pull the reins back on him because he just isn't ready for the big time yet. I think that has more to do with it than anything. You know, I, get him into camp, get him stretched out, get him ready to go when you need a starter. You know, he's not like Woodford, right? Like Woodford's got stuff that kind of nipples on the edges. With Oviedo, with Oviedo he's either making it <laughs> or missing you feel more comfortable that you're going to get multiple innings out of someone like Woodford than you do someone like Oviedo in my particular belief. And I also think they needed to find out as much about the other pitching candidates as possible who would realistically be a part of the staff. And I think that's how it all kind of boiled down. You know, I definitely would have liked to have seen more of him and it might be injury. I don't know. I don't have any insight into that. Uh, But I also like the fact that we got to see a little bit more Zach Thompson. We got to see a little bit more Matthew Libertor. Um, those guys were what Oviedo was a year ago. And I would suspect that we see Johan Oviedo back in the major leagues by July. I just think that it does him well, and it does the Cardinals well, to not, like, be tempted to use him right away because he's just not there yet, you know? He needs to go into that category with Libertor and and Zach Thompson. He needs to be in that group where you just have to treat a little bit more carefully as they continue to develop. Uh, hopefully it is an injury like you you might be speculating on. Uh, Cards Chat 18 says, how about that Wano having more career at-bats than our entire starting outfield? Love it. Again, that is a great stat that really helps give perspective on the Cardinals' current outfield situation and why it's important to maybe get them some at-bats to find out something about them. You know, Lane Thomas, poor Lane Thomas, just can't put himself in a good enough position to get starts uh, or, or to get the call. And when he did, uh, a couple of years back, he would only get like three at-bats a week uh, being underutilized by the Cardinals manager uh, who would go with Jairo Munoz or Tommy Edmond in the outfield. And there's a lesson to learn from there as we talked about Tommy Edmond earlier. Like the Cardinals always need infield help, uh, but Mike Schilt, for better or for worse, always goes with the veteran and he'll push the outfield, the young outfielders aside for another young infielder who is more impressive at the plate. Again, it's not the right thing, but it's not it's not the wrong thing, but it's not the right thing either. So we're still learning about all these guys. And uh, hopefully at some point during the season, the amount of career at-bats from the starting outfield surpasses the amount of career at-bats that Adam Wainwright has. Uh, Connor 
Thomure, uh, Connor Thomure says, no go, yeah, uh, Sasha Bader, that's right, Jay David, you know it. Uh, to uh, um, uh, uh, John Nagowski. Now, John Nagowski and Andrew Kisner are close friends. They room together. Uh, John Nagowski, we talk about a career minor leaguer who played an independent ball after being released from the the, the A's or the White Sox. I don't remember. I know he played in both of those organizations. Or that was Ravello. He was just the A's. He was released by the A's, went to independent ball, was picked up by the Cardinals. He's an advanced-aged guy who's going to get probably some pretty important major league at-bats uh, here in April. To John Nagowski, uh, uh, we raise our glass. John Nagowski taking the place of John Brebbia as the international, uh, played in the, in the the independent league, rather. Uh, I said international. Please replace that with independent. Uh, as independently players on the Cardinals roster. Forever Guard says, hey, Kyle. Uh, what is Shield obsession with Dean and Woodford? So, meh. I could understand, and I was thinking about this. Look, I don't know about Dean. It, Dean is weird to me. Again, I, I will say with Austin Dean that he is so much like Tyler Webb to me. He just, I don't understand why he's productive, but he is. And honestly, the Cardinals are in a position where as impotent as the outfit, uh, outfield can be offensively at times, where I actually don't have a problem with them, you know, I don't have a problem with them bringing the guys who are productive for a change or running with the guys who are productive. The Cardinals need as much offensive production as possible. And I can't sit here and keep saying they need to run the hot hand. They need to run the hot hand. And then at the same time, if Dean or Nagowski or Sosa or whoever is the hot hand say, well, I want to see more about those other guys. The Cardinals need that offensive jolt. So I do get Dean because Dean just keeps producing. He just keeps producing. And if I'm a manager with maybe some question marks elsewhere, I'm, going to run with Austin Dean. And again, I'm not even the world's biggest Austin Dean fan, but I don't know how else you could say anything otherwise. Woodford, again, it's the same thing where, like, as a fan, I'm like, come on with this Jake Woodford thing. Like, why is this happening? But as we talk about entering the 2021 season with a lot of starting rotation question marks, uh, concerned about how deep Seamark might go in games, concerned about how deep Ponce or Gant might go in games. I get why you bring Woodford. And again, sure, maybe Lib or or Thompson or Oviedo or whoever are better options. But eventually you need to find out about Woodford. Maybe he can be your long man as the season goes on. You know, I what I want to see is what happens with Woodford when KK comes back. You know, or if Woodford struggles, is he's just there as a safety valve, you know, say that you get 10 games into the season and he's basically had that start. You know, coming in the third inning for Daniel Ponce de Leon and pitch six. And even if he gets beat up, like, that's a valuable thing there that you can just swap out for Cody White, Cody Whit, uh, Whiteley really quick. So I, I'm with you. What's his obsession? It's it's frustrating. But as somebody who is very much about let those guys who are producing play, I, I've got to give it to Austin Dean who keeps hitting. And I get wanting innings covered with Woodford, especially early in the season. Jay Clark, 1999, says, Mike. Oxlong have any upside? Uh, I would say that he's a hard hitter who pounds the zone. Uh, uh, Nightwing says another Reese spelled differently made a three for Bama to send it to OT. I think your people. Yeah, look, uh, Kylie Reese is here to do nothing but support Bama uh, as they send it into OT. Luke Flush says, uh, is Lane Thomas not as good as I want him to be? Lane Thomas has the capability of being very good. But he also has the capability of being very bad. Look, um, I am going to take a second to pat myself on the back and applaud myself. 
this is what we've written about with Lane Thomas. This is exactly what we've talked about. There are times when he is dog shit bad, and there are times when he is the best, literally the best player on the field. A superstar potential. It just that ebbs and flows. And right now, for whatever reason, it is definitely uh, an ebb. If that means the downside, because it is not good right now, he has that potential. Uh, he was always kind of that guy. I just, I don't know where he's at mentally because I've always believed it to be a, a confidence issue. I've always written that it's a confidence issue with him. And if it's confidence, you know, as somebody who deals with confidence issues nonstop, it's part of the reason why I kind of stopped doing this, uh, uh, guilt and confidence. Um, I understand how heavy that weighs on a person. Sometimes it's hard to get out of that mind frame. James goes, boom, says, best Cardinal game you've ever been to. I was at game six of the 2011 World Series. Hard to beat that. Uh, I was at a bunch of playoff clinching games, division clinching games as a kid. Uh, I got to not smoke a cigar, but I got to watch a bunch of adults smoke a cigar with Octavio Dotel out in the left field bleachers while Octavio Dotel was a member of the Houston Astros at Bush 2. Um, I Yeah, man, I, I was at the game that Roger Clemens in uh, – in New York, when Roger Clemens struck out 4,000 and won his 300th career game or whatever it was, struck out 3,000 and won his 400th career game, I don't remember. Uh, Edgar Renteria being the strikeout, I was at that game. I went with season ticket holders. A real fun note about that. Uh, uh, so when that happened, uh, my dad paid for me and him to go on the trip to Boston in New York as the Cardinals did interleague. I spent uh, three days in Boston, three days in New York, got to experience that awesome thing, whatever year that was, 2000 and whatever. Uh, and I also got to eat, have like an amazing lunch with Lee Smith on a yacht or on a boat, like a, a little boat dock thing. And, and I'll never forget that. That's an awesome moment. Uh, he was very close with uh, a regular in the left field bleachers named Tidbit. And because of that, I was allowed to, uh, uh, to have lunch with a Hall of Famer. Uh, I was probably 16 years old. I remember wearing the David Letterman quadruple pop, uh, a bypass shirt. I love that shirt. Um, and, uh, and enjoying clam chowder and playing just a really quick, like 10 feet away game of catch with Lee Smith. Honestly, the, the most amazing dude ever. Forever Card says, uh, do you think Brendan Donovan could move quickly like Edmund and be option off the bench uh, next season? Yeah, I, I definitely do. Look, I'm a big Brendan Donovan guy. You guys know that. Uh, I, I'm probably higher on him than most. I love his contact tool. I love his abilities. I love his athleticism. His game is pretty well underrated from top to bottom. Uh, and I'm kind of disappointed he wasn't a part of spring camp, honestly. Hopefully he gets a chance. I'm anxious to see where he starts. You know, he only had one game or two games, but he finished the 2019 season at Memphis, pardon me, at Memphis, and I'd be interested to see if they get aggressive and put him there. I think more than likely he starts at Springfield, but there's no reason to not be aggressive with these guys if they are producing at the minor league level. It says that Elk Grove BB has joined to Mr. Carlson. I raised my glass to the whole Carlson family. Uh, 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 we, we raise our glass. Thank you, Carlson, for being in here, which means that we also raise our glass to the Hicks family, the, the, the patron, uh, uh adults of, of the, the pad people. So to the, to the Carlson specifically, and also to the Hicks, we raise our glass. Uh, let's see. Uh, Victoria. Hello, Victoria. How are you? It's so nice to see you and I've missed pad and I've missed you. Welcome, Victoria. Uh, Ron Nettle, our good friend from uh, 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 Ruffled Feathers over on the Two Birds on a uh, Two Birds on a Bat Network, says, "Hey, Kyle. Hello, Ron. How are you? Keep doing amazing stuff, my friend. I uh, wasn't thinking baseball today. Rewatch Mandalorian season two. That's a great way to spend a Saturday, man. 
a great way to spend a Saturday. Ron, have you watched any? If you get into the Marvel stuff at all, uh, Winter Soldier's been pretty good. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier's been pretty good. Uh, let's see. Uh, James goes, boom, says one X-Wing. Yeah, the, that season finale of season two of The Mandalorian is amazing. One of the best things ever. Cardinals Talk says, pitching is going to be a nightmare for this team. It definitely has the potential to be a nightmare. Look, uh, I'm going to choose to be as optimistic as I possibly can entering the 2021 season. I think the outfield is going to be solid uh, as compared to maybe how it's been over the last couple of years. I think that the bullpen is definitely a strength or has the potential to be a very, very, very strong um, aspect of what this team can do. And I do think that there's a lot of potential in that starting rotation. I was really impressed with what we saw out of Jack Flaherty the other night. You can't be anything but impressed out of Adam Wainwright. John Gant, you know, people are dogging on John Gant, and I don't get it. He's been nothing but great this spring. And again, it's spring, and I get it. But he's set up for success here. This is kind of a situation where the Cardinals always end up doing really well, right? Having someone like John Gant, uh, who was a starter, maybe get into the bullpen and then become a starter again. I don't have any issue with that. I definitely would like for KK to be a part of the rotation. But still, you know, you're talking about KK. There's still some concerns there, right? You know, Daniel Ponce de Leon, there's concerns there. It's, it's a different kind of thing. Where With Ponce de Leon, you just want him to throw strikes. With KK, you just want him to miss bats. You know, they kind of get flipped there, but that's not a bad kind of tandem to have. I definitely would have liked to have seen Alex Reyes get a real chance to start. I'm I'm with everybody on that. Uh, And yes, the pitching could be a problem, but I still like the depth as long as the Cardinals are willing to be aggressive about it. Uh, Remember, you know, it could be worse. You and I don't mean this like I don't mean this to beat up on Jake Woodford. I think Jake Woodford is going to be a great swing man between AAA and the majors for maybe a couple of years. I like Tommy Parsons. I think Tommy Parsons has a start in his future. But imagine if they were going into the year with those guys. Or imagine if they had uh, uh, Jose Quintana. Like, I wouldn't feel comfortable with that. Sure, I'd like for them to have Jake Odorizzi. But I don't think they're in that bad of a situation because of the amount of depth they have. Um, but again, we're going to see. And we're going to find out pretty quickly. Cardsfan022 says, just join. What's your opinion on Woodford over Whiteley? Both had good camps. Again, you can only have so many people. For me, and again, I don't know what the cutoff is. I meant to look, and I'm I'm very irresponsible for not looking. I wanted to see what the maximum amount of pitchers a team could bring was because I would have rather the Cardinals bring 14 pitchers and 12 bench bats than 13, thir- or, and 12 bats rather than 13-13 uh, like they brought. That being said, I understand why they're doing 13-13 with so many off days earlier in the year and having a potential to uh, uh, like not need as much bullpen protection and maybe need some bats. But that being said, like I would have liked for both of them to have been on the roster. And it, I understand, as we specifically talked just a second ago, about protecting the innings of the starters, why they would bring Woodford over Whitley. I don't think it's going to be that long before Cody is a part of the bullpen. Uh, again, We'll wait and see how that all goes. Uh, But don't be surprised if that's the first guy who gets a call up um, relatively quickly as compared to all the other guys at satellite camp or minor league spring training. Jay David Reed says, Lee Smith is by all accounts a real good dude. No, for real. Like we get caught in hyperbole hyperbole when we talk about this guy's the best ever or the worst ever or the nicest guy ever. Lee Smith is legitimately uh, of people that I've spent more than an hour with uh, first impression wise. Um, he's, he's easily the nicest dude I've ever met or been able to be around. And again, I was, 
I was a teenager. I was probably 16 or 17 years old. I might've been older than that. Um, and he, he was so warm and so welcoming. And it's one of those things that sticks with you as you get a little older. Mike Dean underscore underscore says, hello, fellow Baldy to all of my bald people to Mike Dean, uh, to all the balds. <sighs> Terrific. Cards fans are 22 says O'Neill has looked really good using all fields and not chasing at everything. You know, even last year, he didn't chase at everything. Last year, we saw Tyler O'Neill start to make the adjustment, start to swing it less, start to strike out less, start to walk more. And what we're seeing now is that minor league version of Tyler O'Neill, who isn't trying so hard to make an impression, who isn't trying so hard to crush the ball. What he's doing is he's just letting the ball get deep and trusting his swing to do the work. And that's what we saw out of the minor league version of him. Sometimes the ball's going to go to right field. Sometimes it's going to loop over the shortstop's head in front of the left fielder. Sometimes he's going to hit the ball to Jupiter. Uh, both First the planet, and then uh, first the city, and then the planet. Or the county, and then the planet. Whatever. You get my point. It's a bad joke, no matter what point I'm trying to make. Uh, so that's what we were seeing out of Tyler O'Neill. He just needs to keep doing that. He just needs to stay confident. Uh, you know, th that's it. Just be himself. Let the ball get deep. Let his swing and his natural build and power do the rest of the work. VHS says, John Gann is good at baseball. John Gann is handsome. He's dapper and he's good at baseball. I personally think he'd be better at baseball if he wore those braids on the mound. I don't understand why he's not. I'm very, very disappointed in it. Uh, but look, John Gant's going to be fine. You know, he's not, you know, when we get to the All-Star break, we're not going to be talking about All-Star John Gant. He's going to have a couple bad starts. He's going to have a lot of good starts. And that's what we're going to be. He's going to be an ideal, you know, fifth, fourth starter on any team, more than likely. You know, more than likely, he's not going to be the guy you would want in the playoffs, but maybe he is, and we're just going to have to wait and see. And we're not even remotely there. But there are worse options for the starting staff, and there are more guys to be worried about than John Gant. I, I am not worried about John Gant at all. Um, again, that being said, I am still worried that he walks too many people. He's As a starter, he's not going to be able to do that. Um, but I don't think it's going to be worse than what we saw out of Daniel Ponce de Leon in 2020. So I think we're fine. Like, he's going to be fine. Just like Andrew Vaughn's going to be fine in left field for the White Sox. Victoria Dryden says, I missed the game today. Where did it go wrong in the later innings? Um, the Cardinals kind of ran out of pitchers. And Tommy Parsons got kind of beat around. And then they had to use him again, uh, uh, like another inning calling him in out of the bullpen in another inning after he had already pitched. Uh, that's pretty well where it went wrong. Ponce, oh, son of a bitch, cancel. Uh, uh, Ron Nuttall says, Ponce makes me nervous. Ponce makes me nervous too. Uh, you know, he there were some some telling quotes in the post-dispatch from him where he talked about feeling like if he, if he didn't throw a strike or whatever, that he'd be pulled out of the game and sent down immediately. Hopefully he feels like he doesn't feel that anymore. Uh, or if he still feels that he gets over it, because if that's what's stopping him from being a good pitcher, um, those are, that's the mental side of the game that he's just going to have to get over. He's going to have to work through. Like that's not good. That, that That's definitely not good. He makes me nervous too, but he also gets me excited when he's dealing and you know, we're just going to have to wait and see what version we got from him. We get from him. You know, I still believe that he is a great, again, uh, long reliever or even potentially back into the bullpen uh, shutdown kind of guy. I think he has the stuff for it if he's throwing strikes, but that's the key for him. The, the, I understand why people are nervous because of his inability to throw strikes uh, relatively consistently. I get it. 
J. David Reed says, pitching doesn't have to be a nightmare. Let the big dogs eat. Reyes, stretch Helsley back out. You guys know where I stand on that. I will always be in favor of Ryan Helsley getting a chance to start. I think all of his stuff plays uh, when given a chance. Um, when given a chance to stretch out and use his entire arsenal. But he doesn't really get a chance to do it anymore. Uh, and to your point, like, yes, I do. I hope we see a time when Alex Reyes is healthy enough to pitch out of the rotation and can do it consistently, because I think that that's going to be a really exciting time for St. Louis Cardinal fans. You know, we, we do a lot of projection, and we do a lot of think about this. Can you imagine in a couple of years this happens? But it'd be really cool if in two years, you know, a very good Zach Thompson, a very good Matthew Libertor, a very good Alex Reyes, and a very good Jack Flaherty are all in the rotation, healthy and pitching. Of course, it won't work out that way. It just doesn't ever work out that way cleanly in Major League Baseball. But if it did happen, it'd be pretty awesome. Uh, Forever Card says Junior Fernandez could be a DFA candidate. Didn't expect that based on his 2019. It does make me wonder with 2019, uh, the 2019 Junior Fernandez. Remember, entering a. All right, let, let me see if I can do it. In 2017, midway through 2017, Junior Fernandez's season got cut short, even though he was pitching pretty well. Arm fatigue. He didn't make it back. Oh, wait, no, was that 20? It would have been 2018, 2019. He didn't make it back until the midway point of 2019. That's when he was pitching. And when he came back pitching, he was pitching well. Pitched great. Earned his way to a major league uh, debut. It would have been 2019. It would have been 2017, 2018. Because he would have began the 2019 season in Palm Beach. Even though he ended the 2018 season in Springfield. So he was actually kind of given a demotion uh, uh, to start the 2019 season. Either way, 2019 was the first time in years that he had pitched healthy. And even when he was making his major league debut at the end of the 2019 season, Junior Fernandez looked really solid. You know, sure, he, he, he walked a couple guys and let up a home run, and it wasn't good. Let up a big home run to Ryan Braun. Wasn't good at all. But he wasn't terrible, per se. He was fine. He was just okay, you know. So to see the, step back, he's, the steps back he's taken over the last couple of years, it just makes me how much – it makes me wonder how much of that has to do with that arm and arm fatigue and arm struggle. I hope he's not a DFA candidate. I hope he can claw his way back into good standing in the organization from a production standpoint, because that is an elite arm uh, that has the potential to be something special, as we've seen in the past, if healthy. James goes, boom, says, do you have any players that are candidates for mid-season trades to the cards? I don't. I haven't looked into that. I don't know what that's going to look like. And honestly, like with as many question marks and moving parts as the Cardinals have, I don't know if we would even know what the Cardinals would be going after. You know, I think I think we'll always kind of look at the outfield and hope that the Cardinals can do better if, you know, if the guys aren't hitting. But I think that they're going to hit, and I think it's going to be fine. Um, I don't think it's going to be like an average 130 WRC+. plus. I think that's crazy. But I think that they're going to be three, potentially two at the very least, uh, above average Major League Offensive producers uh, by the trade deadline. Um, you guys know how I feel. I, I feel like there might be some slow starts, but I think it's going to be good. Uh, I, I just think that, like, where we're going to be curious is what's going on at shortstop because Paul DeYoung still worries me. And you guys know I love Paul DeYoung, but he's kind of been a down spot in all of this. And, uh, uh, like, what's going on with the pitching? So, no, I haven't looked at all. I don't know who potential trade targets are going to be. Uh, and I apologize for that. I'm not even there. Like, I'm having so much, like, trouble really getting into the beginning of the season uh, because minor league baseball isn't here that uh, I'm not even near being ready for the midway of the season. Forever Card says, the good thing about Woodford is if is we won't have to see Cabrera and Helsley helping mop-up roles. I like that. You know, uh, Henesis is really weird. Henesis will always be the pitcher that he is. He's not going to be any different version of himself, and I feel confident in saying that. 
And uh, that makes him uh, like that makes him a really interesting option out of the bullpen. Uh, so yes, to your point, I that's what I'm saying. Like that's what makes a guy like Jake Woodford really important to this bullpen with the way that the starting pitching is uh, uh, from a depth pit standpoint and the amount of innings you might need to cover early on. James goes boom says high socks need to be mandatory. People love high socks, and you know that's one of those things that I don't feel one way about or the other. STL Nation says, "Hey Kyle, would you prefer Ton or Carlson in center?" Look, I I like Dylan Carlson in center. I I love it there. I hope he stays there. But that's not to say Tyler O'Neill couldn't play center if given the opportunity. I think he'd be fine there. Uh, but I think that O'Neill looks comfortable in left. Carlson looks comfortable in center. And I'm happy with that. Cards Gift says, how do you best utilize a player like Edmundo Sosa? Honestly, Gifts, my answer to that question is you don't utilize him. Hopefully you have other options that you can use before him. You know, the best way to utilize him is to get, uh, 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 God, I'm, I'm blanking, is to get um, Tommy Edmund starts at short, get Paul DeYoung rest, and maybe get him some starts at second or flip it. Like, you know, I still want Tommy Edmund to get some time at short. That's why I say that. Although Edmundo Sosa is a better shortstop as compared to the two. Um, but like the truth is Tom or Edmundo Sosa is the guy you don't use that often. He's literally the 13th bench bat. Uh, how do you best utilize him? If you, so the one thing about Edmundo Sosa as a batter is that he is really good. Like his, his hot spot is in the low, lower half of the zone, the lower quarter of the zone. So I like him against sinker ball pitchers. If you have a, a sinker ball pitcher, he's the guy I'd use. You know, if you're going up against a, a guy who throws a lot of strikes, you put Edmundo Sosa in there because Edmundo Sosa is not patient. He's going to swing at whatever you throw at him. Uh, he's like Yachty in that respect. Uh, but, you know, without the clout that Yachty carries. So, uh, you know, th- that's that's how you best utilize him. And I don't mean that to, like, to, to beat up on Edmundo Sosa. You know, a late-inning defensive replacement which, again, who do you replace? You know, maybe Tommy Edmund. Maybe Edmund goes out to the outfield. Um, maybe Edmundo goes to second base. You know, he's still a better defensive shortstop than Paul DeYoung is, and Paul DeYoung is really good. I don't mean that to beat up on Paul DeYoung. That's not uh, not a negative towards DeYoung. But, yeah, like, that's that's how it would have to be. J. David Reed says, no wor- not worried about depth of serviceable starting pitching, worried about the lack of ace talent at the top yet. It's really going to come down to Jack Flaherty and Adam Wainwright early on in the year specifically. Uh, Rickle Graham says, are the Brewers for real? I saw that Gould picked them to win the division. I don't blame him. Look, I, I don't know if the, I don't know what for real means. I think that this division is still weak. Again, that's not to beat up on the Cardinals. I just don't think that the Cardinals are that separate from the Cubs or the Reds or the Brewers. Uh, I do think everybody's separate from the Pirates, but I just like, sure. The Pirates are the, the, the Reds sold off pieces and sure. The Cubs sold off pieces and losing you Darvish was huge. But I like some of the other stuff that the, the the Cubs did. I don't think they're I don't think they're awful. You know, I think that the Cardinals are a team that could be well above 500, and I think that the Cubs are a team who could struggle to be at 500. I think the Reds are a team that could struggle to be at 500. I think the Brewers are a team that could struggle to be at 500. But I think if you're looking at the two teams in the the the, the, the division that have a chance to go head and shoulders above the rest, it's the Cubs and the Brewers, or the Cardinals and the Brewers. Rob, don't like those. They're the best chance, but. At the same time, if it worked out in reverse where the Brewers and the Cardinals were struggling to get at 500 and the Reds and the Cubs were pushing hard uh, and, and were 20 games up all of a sudden, uh, 20 games above 500, you know, 140 games in the season, like that wouldn't surprise me either. There's still a lot of question marks in this division uh, from from almost bottom to top. 
that uh, I don't feel comfortable saying that one team is substantially better than the other. C70 says, when will the Cardinals announce minor league rosters May 1st? I would say that that's a good chance. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, they usually wait until the very, very last minute. With the minor league start, season starting May 4th, I would suggest that you're seeing, you know, usually Peoria's roster is the first one that's released. And then usually Memphis and Palm Beach and Springfield are like the day before. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say May 1st at the earliest. Dat K. Diddy says, what is your, what are you, what is yo drinking tonight, boo? It's uh, the Campfire Amplifier from Dogfish Head. You guys know Dogfish Head is my favorite. Uh, of all the beers, it's kind of like a really smoky s'more. It says milk stout brewed with graham crackers, cinnamon, marshmallows with cocoa powder, and vanilla beans added. And it is really good. Look, Dogfish Head is my favorite brewery. Uh, them and Founders are my two favorites. And everything they do, in my opinion, is delicious. Uh, let's see. CardsFan022 says, this team has the potential to win three-plus silver sluggers and gold gloves. Yeah, I feel like it's the same story every year with the Cardinals. This is the beauty of the St. Louis Cardinals and what they've been able to cultivate. It's also the frustration of the fan base. But a couple years back, Mike Schilt made that comment, we have five aces and we have potential gold lovers at every position. Now, they don't have that. They don't really have that. But if you want to be optimistic, they do have that. And sure, it's not going to happen that way. It never happens that way. They're not going to have three-plus silver sluggers. They're not going to have three-plus gold glovers. Uh, but that doesn't mean that they won't have guys who are the finalists for gold glovers uh, for, for a gold glove. And it doesn't mean they're not going to have finalists for the silver slugger. Uh, everything could either go right or everything could go wrong or there could be a midway. What the Cardinals do better than maybe most organizations is they raise the floor of potential uh, for wins from their team uh, and success rate for their team. And that's that's the Cardinal magic of the last you know 10 years specifically. Andre, hey, Andres, what's up? Braun broke him. Yeah, there's a good chance that uh, uh, Jose Fernandez was broke by that Ryan Braun home run. Uh, Edwin Pavizic says, to bring in some positivity, what's your favorite all-time Matt Carpenter moment? Moments? You know, I, uh, I there are a lot of really great Matt Carpenter moments. I, and it's gonna it's lost right now. What I'm going to say about Matt Carpenter, it's not a moment, it's a mentality. You know, he got beat up by the fans for not wanting, like, not quote-unquote wanting to move out of the, the leadoff spot or not being productive out of the leadoff spot. And that wasn't the case. Matt Carpenter would have hit anywhere that they would have put him. Sure, he was more comfortable as a leadoff hitter, but he would have hit anywhere that he thought was best for the team. Matt Carpenter is a player, a St. Louis Cardinal, that has always put the team ahead of himself. They need him to play first, he's going to play first. They need him to play third, he's going to play third. They need him to play second, he's going to play second. He's going to train all offseason to get as good as he can. He's going to rededicate himself to a craft. You know, going the opposite way, which he worked relentlessly between 19 and 20 to do and looked like in spring he was poised to do it. And then COVID happened and he it never manifested in game. You know, he, he works to get healthier. He works to get better. He's dealt with fatigue issues. He's dealt with back issues and he's worked through them and worked through them. You know, it's not a moment that sticks to me about sticks with me about Matt Carpenter. It's a philosophy. It's the grinding attitude, to quote Mike Matheny, uh, in a positive way that Matt Carpenter has brought to the St. Louis Cardinals, that is a man who has always put the St. Louis Cardinals well-being above what's best for him. And, uh, you know, we say that, you're going to say, well, he signed a huge contract uh, and put the Cardinals in blah, 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 blah. But he didn't do that. The Cardinals did that. That was a choice that the Cardinals made. Uh, And sure, it hasn't paid off, but I'm actually glad that he's getting some money from them for – uh, all of the years that he was productive and not really making a ton of money. Crawfee25 says, Bex, 
Best rec specs player of all time, Webb, Kelly, or Wild Thing Vaughn? You know, I, I, it's got to be Joe Kelly, right? Joe Kelly's most enter- one of the more entertaining players in baseball. Uh, he's hilarious, and he's really talented. So I'll go with Joe Kelly here. Cardspan022 says, I'm not a carp hater at all, but this was one of the worst springs, sadly. Yeah, it doesn't get any uh, worse than what Matt Carpenter just went through for the last month. Bala Vineyard says, dead and ball this year, fortuitous year to have inexperienced spotty starting pitching with a strong bullpen. You know, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, that's that's a great point. The, the baseball, if you remember, they said we'll travel two to five less feet um, because it's a little softer. And also the, they said the seams are are bigger. I, I said more raised in the last prospects after dark, but I think they said, I think that they're bigger now. And we've heard pitchers talking about being able to get a grip on it. So yeah, like th- that's a great point. If you're going to have, but if you're going to have an inexperienced pitching staff, this was probably the year. What we need is we need that inexperienced pitching staff to not put batters on. We need them to throw strikes. That's where someone like Daniel Ponce de Leon becomes a little bit of a concern for fans uh, because we just need him to throw strikes. The Cardinals just need him to throw strikes. Uh, but yeah, that's a great point. A great time to maybe have some inexperience in your bullpen and on your starting staff. Uh, oh, yeah, C70 says, welcome, Zach Silver. Now, I'm not sure if he's in here. Unfortunately, I don't follow him on Periscope. We'll rectify that by the end of the night. But to the Cardinals' new beat writer for MLB Network, I just want to get our MLB.com or STLCardinals.com or Cardinals.com. I would like to raise my glass to Zach Silver. Zach Silver has done a really amazing job uh, in his first spring covering the Cardinals of covering the Cardinals. So we'll raise our glass of dogfish head campfire amplifier to Zach Silver. Keep up the good work. Uh, again, welcome to the community. Welcome to Prospects After Dark. And uh, again, keep it up. Braun not, uh, uh, James Goes Boom, which is Braun Not Brown, I think. Uh, or maybe it's not. James Goes Boom says Gorman in Springfield. I think that there's a chance that Gorman starts at Memphis. Uh, I think what would have been interesting is if Memphis had started on April 6th as initially planned, if he would have started there. But I do wonder what this does, this month delay and competitive minor league games does for their initial planned assignments. I am very much on board with being a little less aggressive with the younger players who just missed uh, an entire year of competitive, with the prep drafted players who missed an entire year of competitive baseball last year, even if they were at the satellite camp. Uh, those are the guys I'd be a little less aggressive with. You know, the college kids, the college draftees, I'd be a little bit more aggressive with. Um, so, yeah, I would like him to go to Springfield. I do think that there's a chance he starts at Memphis. But him, Libertor, I would love to see those guys start at Springfield, get a couple starts underneath their belt, and then move if warranted. Uh, Style Smith says, Sosa should still play over Carp. At least he has a gold glove. Uh, I don't know. Oh, that's right. The minor league gold glove. I forgot about that. Yeah, that's uh, that's interesting. I didn't think about that. Uh, Ron Nuttall says, Lance Berkman's soulless stare thoughts. Ron, I love that. When you brought that up, uh, when I was fortunate enough to be in Ruffle Feathers with you a couple weeks ago. Um, uh, yeah, that's it is. It was soulless. And the, the thing that always blew my mind about Berkman, as soulless as that stare was, is he was always having fun. He was always playful. Like, if I could aspire to be one person from a professional standpoint, it'd be Lance Berkman. The guy was always having fun. He was always keeping it light, but he was also a true professional when it came time to do his craft. Pretty awesome dude uh, in that capacity on the diamond for sure. Cards Gift says, uh, this is one hell of an answer. Thanks, Kyle. Hey, anytime for any, anytime, but anything for you, you know that. Cone217 says, Dustin, Justin Williams in right field or we riot. I love it. I'm on board with it. I still... 
I still am apprehensive. I still think that there's a chance Austin Dean is out there or John Nagowski is out there. Um, you know, last year, Justin Williams got the call and uh, uh, had one start and then sat on the bench for a couple games and then was optioned back down to camp. And I just don't want that to happen. And, you know, he's been impressive. He's always hit lefties well. And um, I, I want him to get an opportunity and not just for a couple games. It's amazing how many of these outfielders, you know, Lane Thomas, uh, you know, even Tyler O'Neill with some of the, the late game substitutions, Lane Thomas, Justin Williams, uh, pretty much everybody other than Harrison Bader and, and now luckily Dylan Carlson has kind of gotten the, the Colton Wong treatment for, that Mike Matheny gave Wong from Mike Schilt. It's really interesting. Uh, Ron Donald says, I think Jack Peterson is going to have a good year for the Cubs. I do too. I, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, they've lost some stuff, lost Schwarber. Schwarber looks poised to have a really good year for the Nationals. Uh, but I like some of the other additions they've made. I don't think that they're a powerhouse. I don't think they have the potential to be a powerhouse. But just like with the Cardinals, just like with the Reds, and just like with the Brewers, if everything goes right for them, they're going to be the best team in the division. That's that's the situation in the Central. Look, it could be a division where only one team finishes above 500, or it could be a team a division where four teams barely finish, or two teams finish way up and no one else does. Like that's the situation that the Central is in. Uh, if I'm banking, there's going to be one team above 500, and the rest are going to be below because I just don't think that the teams are good enough. James goes boom says better team Dodgers or Padres to me. It's the Dodgers and it's as good as the Padres are as many additions as they made uh, in a positive manner to make their team better as they have made. I'm still taking the Dodgers. The Dodgers are still maybe even, I mean, uh, you know, a nose, nose to the top of the head, higher, uh, uh, a more talented team. They're just, the Dodgers are amazing. They're a dynasty. Cardinals fan 022 says, I didn't know much about Nova before last season. He seems like a Luke Voigt 2.0 with less pop. Yeah, I, uh, well, what does that mean exactly? Like, Luke Voigt is defined by his pop. Where I get kind of uh, a caught with John Nagowski is, I believe he's either going to be one of two people. He's going to be Jeremy Hazelbaker, who comes in and has a month, month and a half, two months of really impressive at-bats uh, and is exciting and is a good pinch hitter that you can count on and then will eventually fade into oblivion. Or he's going to be something like J-Mark, a guy who hits above 300 with 10 to 15 home runs uh, and makes a ton of contact and walks a lot and then fizzles out three years later. That's He's going to be one of those two. Uh, it's just a matter of what opportunities allow him to be and how he seizes those opportunities. That's what I think. I don't think he's Luke Voigt 2.0, if that makes sense. Sequential from James Goes Boom. Yeah, look, I, a lot of people love uh, that sequench. It's one of my least favorite Dr. Shed, but I still love it. It's still great. I uh, love that 120 IPAs from Fly the L, uh, uh, Mr. Niehaus, Mr. Jeff Niehaus says. I love the 120. I love the 60. I love the 90. Worldwide IPA, uh, a, world, a worldwide stout. Uh, they're all amazing. My favorite beer, my favorite beer is the Midas Touch, which was in St. Louis a bunch a couple years back and hasn't been in for like two or three years, and I'm heartbroken about it. It is, it is hands down my favorite beer. Um, and there are so many great beers. A, A.K. Neatman says, do you see Gorman getting a lot of time at second base this season? Yeah, I do. I do. And I think that we saw the transition pretty well happen how it should have happened in spring training, where he still got some time at third, started the season at third, started spring training at third. When he was called in, it was at third. And then by the end, he was getting time at second. You guys know how I feel about this. Like, I, I want him to continue to stay at third until you feel almost 100% sure that Nolan Arenado isn't going, Arenado is not going to opt out. Um, 
Again, I don't think Arenado will. I don't think there's any way he will, but it can still happen. And I don't want them to be in a position where it's like, oh, this kid just moved to second base. Let's move him back to third. Like, that's pointless to me. You, you also know where I stand on this. This is my, my stance. I want him to also get time out in the outfield. I don't know why. Like, I, again, we talk about all these question marks in the outfield. I don't think that there are as many as other people do, but I understand why they think that, and I understand why they're there. But I think that uh, his clearest path to the major leagues is in the outfield, right? Th- that's what I think. But uh, I do think that he, he splits time mostly between second and third with a little time out in the outfield in 2021 i also would like to say that i don't get why he's not getting time at short like i get it but i also don't get it jay david says uh best carpenter best best matt carpenter moment breaking clayton kershaw and again if we're going to uh, single out moments it has to be that uh to matt carpenter and to clayton kershaw and to breaking clayton kershaw an hour in incredible this was supposed to be short uh, Bookum Dano, Booked Dano says, do we draft a college pitcher or a third baseman this year? I like what you did there. Uh, that seems to be where they where they uh, uh, hone in. You know, in past years under Flores, they've always gone with, like, the guy who's fallen to them. And, of course, last year they went a little different. They went Jordan Walker so that they could go and draft Tink Hens, use some of, you know, get a little bit more aggressive and then, you know, draft uh, Mason Wynn and Tink Hens, Markevian Hens, uh, uh, in the, in the next, with their next two picks. I don't know what the Cardinals are going to do. They, they talk a lot about zigging when other people zag. And I feel like that's kind of what we saw this past year as well. You know, uh, the year before, there were a bunch of college infielders. It was, a, it was a college infielder healthy draft. And so they drafted a bunch of college pitchers. And then the next year, it, you know, a lot of people thought that the, the college hitters and college pitching would be the, 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 where a lot of teams went. So the Cardinals went prep. Early on, uh, I would suggest that the Cardinals will continue to zig when everyone else zags, unless there's somebody available at the ninth or 18th overall pick that they just cannot turn down. That's that's my guess. But uh, yeah, I, I, you, that's a great observation you've made about who they've drafted in recent years. Cards fan 22 says, "I wish opening day wasn't a day game. Gonna miss some because of work." So I luckily, I think I have to take my brother Scott to the airport. Even if I don't, I'm taking a half day from work on Thursday so I can watch Cards Reds. And then I will be at the home opener. Uh, my brother Scott bought tickets in Section 437 or something like that for the home opener. So I will be there. And then I'll be uh, in the bleachers, Section 189, on Saturday. Uh, I bought those tickets. I'm really excited about that game. Uh, but I'm also really excited about getting to, uh, uh, even though it's not behind home plate like we normally do, uh, uh, I'm excited because my brother Scott is bidding $4,000 on Bobby Plager jerseys online. Uh, no, uh, uh, but I'm just excited about getting back to the stadium, no doubt. Josh says, wait, I don't know. We, I didn't know we were going to do this. Yeah, Josh, that's my bad. Uh, my bad, bro. It, I didn't know we were going to do it either. I was just DMing with Cardinals Gifts about that porn star who took my name. Uh, and uh, all of a sudden, I was like, yeah, I'm going to just do pad. And I feel like that's where we're at. And, and as to your next question, Josh, is that a new decoration? I have moved to the kitchen uh, from the living room as a point to the living room, which you clearly can't see because I rearranged my living room to make it a little bit more spacious. Uh, so now we're in the kitchen and things have changed just a little bit. I don't know. This is probably where prospects after dark will take place for the next X amount of time. However long prospects after dark continues to go on. And uh, you know, we might put some stuff above the refrigerator there. We might, uh, I carved that out of wood and then car and then painted the, uh, uh, the St. Louis flag into it. 
Um, but uh, and we might add some things here and there. I'd like to get the plate that Ryan Fisher made for me in here somewhere. I don't know how I'm going to do that. We'll figure that out along the lines. But yes, we have relocated to the kitchen. Uh, and again, I guess the one positive, although when I was on the other side of the kitchen, and again, I swift, flipped things in my little dining area, I could reach in and grab a beer, but now the refrigerator is behind me, so it's going to take a little bit of work. R.B. Pinkston says, ever had any Three Floyds? Gumball Head is my favorite. Now, I have had Gumball Head, and Gumball Head is amazing. But I don't know if I've had any other Three Floyds. But yes, Gumball Head is a great beer. Nathan C. in a bunch of numbers says, best card moment, single-handedly crushing the Cubs in 2018. Yeah, that game where they pulled him, uh, you know, they pulled him later in the game. And they pulled him in the late inning of the game because there was uh, a position player throwing and had they not done that if he would have had a run he would have set the um single game total base record uh which i'm still bummed out about you know there was something i wanted to go back and look and i wanted to see because that was in 2018 again as you pointed out when carp was really raking that was the last good matt carpenter we ever saw and i wanted to go back and see how matt carpenter was because you know it was about that time that he took a turn for the worst and I wanted to go back and see how he was after he had that monster game against the Cubs in 2018. Because, you know, part of the reason they took him out of that game was the Cardinals were beating the shit out of the Cubs. And also because a position player was pitching. And my guess was that they, A, didn't want to embarrass a position player, but also, B, were trying to keep uh, Carp like, zoned in. They didn't want him to see anything different than what he had been seeing, which was Major League pitching. Uh, and it just makes me wonder if, like, doing that was, uh, you know, 3D chess, maybe a, or, you know, maybe a little bit too much. Anyways, I just had the thought like, like, what if maybe that was the thing that made Carpenter bad again or got him out of his uh, uh, his hot stretch? Again, overthinking it, but yes, another great Matt Carpenter moment. And again, like as as I watch fans slowly turn on him, or at least the situation with him, it breaks my heart. Uh, and hopefully, we get a chance to celebrate Matt Carpenter's career at some point uh, uh, before it's over. Social Matt M says, what's up in baseball season? What's up? It's baseball season this week. Yeah, uh, we raise our glass to the beginning of the 2021 baseball season, which starts just three days from now, four days from now, whatever. Uh, Today's Sunday. It starts on Thursday. Uh, To the 2021 St. Louis Cardinals with some really fun stories on their roster with maybe some question marks. uh, We raise our glass to Cardinals fans in the beginning of the 2021 St. Louis Cardinals season. Wow, the inside of that jug is uh, is dark. That's a dark beer, friends. I love it. Cardsfan022 says, bigger season O'Neal or Carlson? That's a tough one because they're both going to be really good. I agree that they're both going to be pretty good. You know, it's tough to say this kind of stuff with Mr. Carlson in here. Uh, but we've always, like, since I've been writing about Dylan Carlson, he's going to be a star, but it's going to take time with him. It's not going to come right away. You know, it was never going to come right away. He, he's not going to be the all-star right away. It's going to take a little time to get there. You know, again, I firmly believe that, it, like, you're looking at a Stephen Piscotty-esque season out of Dylan Carlson this year. You know, right around league average, uh, producing a little bit of power, maybe a little disappointment as compared to what he's capable of. And it's next year where Dylan Carlson's going to blow up. That's, that's what I think. Uh, or maybe towards the end of this year, it, it blows up. But uh, that, like, that's what I think. That's what I believe. And I think that that's, that's, 
that's good. Like, that's not bad, especially with the defense he's going to give you on center. It's not going to be Harrison Bader level defense, but it's going to be really solid. And as far as Tyler O'Neill goes, you guys know, again, I'm biased. I have my own personal feelings about Tyler O'Neill uh, as a player and as a person. But look, he's ready to go. He, as long as he continues to do this, what we've seen out of him in spring, letting the ball get deep and trusting himself, he's going to be a productive hitter. Just that simple. I, whatever level of production, I don't know, but he's going to be a productive hitter that you're going to want in the lineup. The problem is you'd want him, like, you'd want a lineup where you didn't have to rely on him to hit fourth or fifth. But if he was hitting well enough, you could put him fourth or fifth. And right now the Cardinals lineup uh, is the kind where they're going to need him to hit and need him to hit right away. And again, just to throw this out there, and I know this isn't a popular opinion, but with the way you have Edmund and then Goldie and then Arenado, Arenado, I would hit Yachty four. I would just do it. And it's just because of a contact thing. And again, there's a double play issue there that comes with it. But, you know, your other options, unless it ends up being Justin Williams or something like that, are just so high K that it concerns me. And again, what we've seen out of Paul DeYoung really concerns me too. Victoria says, sorry, I had a phone. I had a phone call, but I did hear your answer to my question. Anytime, Victoria, no problem. Look, Prospects After Dark is the kind of environment where you should feel comfortable coming in and out as you choose or choose to never come in or choose to never leave. It's completely up to you. We're just happy uh, that you are enjoying Cardinal baseball. Uh, and I am happy that you are here because you're an awesome person. Uh, Spaghetti Jones says, what's up, dog? Good to see you, man. Spaghetti Jones, it is awesome to see you. Thank you for being here on a Prospects after, for a Prospects After Dark on a Sunday night. Uh, Beefy Hounds 83, which is a great name, says, what is Justin Williams ceiling this year? I don't know. I don't know. What is his ceiling this year? 20 home runs, 280, 325, maybe. You know, what's his most likely outcome? Whatever Dexter Fowler hit uh, uh, manifested over an entire 2019 season. Uh, what's like, what is like a really good, not ceiling, but if all things go right for him, I think. What we saw to Dexter Fowler in 2017, was that 2018? He was really awful. 2019, he was better. He got off to a great start last year before the whole thing. So, yeah, 2017, when his, his first, whatever Dexter Fowler's first year was with the Cardinals, I think you're going to see something similar to that out of Justin Williams. Maybe with a lower on-base percentage, maybe with a little bit more power potentially. Although I think Dexter Fowler had 17 home runs or 19 home runs that year. But, like, I think that there are a lot of parallels, a lot of, a lot of, uh, similarities between Justin Williams and Dexter Fowler uh, with with, De with Justin Williams having a superior arm, maybe a little less athletic on right field, uh, maybe a little bit more raw power uh, sacrifice on base percentage. So something like that as a very uh, poorly based comparison to start with. Yusuf L says, impromptu pad, make the world go round. Yeah. And again, uh, yeah, I did make the STL logo uh, uh, gifts. Here, I'll, go, I'll grab it. Take a look at this thing. Hold on. Oh, oh my God, look at my butt, yo. Yeah, look at this thing. So I made this. That's me. I carved it uh, using a bandsaw, and then I painted it. That I did that. That's me. Hi, I'm Kyle. And then I got to try to hang this, and eh, 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 there you go. I don't even know what that is. I don't know what that is, guys. I'm a, I'm a rube. Uh, Josh Stucky. Hey, Josh, what's up? Poor Mark. Never fuck with the straight. Yeah, maybe. Maybe I didn't mean to look and I forgot. STL Nation says, do you prefer Gann or Ponce in the rotation when KK is able to return? I prefer whichever one is pitching better. 
just that simple for me. I think Gann will be pitching better than Ponce. And also, I like the potential of Ponce as a late-inning reliever a little bit more. Well, we've seen Gant be a pretty good late-inning reliever. The problem with Gant is that he just gets abused by his manager when he's a late-inning reliever. So, uh, with that in mind, Ponce, for sure, is the one who I would like to see move to the bullpen uh, and hope that Gant is seizing this opportunity that he has. Cardsfan022 says, even even though even they won't be... A, Oh, even though there won't be a full crowd, uh, the ovation for Arenado will be historic. It's going to be awesome. I know I'm going to cheer my ass off, uh, and I would imagine that the other 14,000 people will be doing the same. Cards, uh, Cardinals 11 and 11 says, fans aren't mad at card, players decline. I'm mad at the front office for allowing this situation to play out. Yeah, and I think that that's a better way of putting it. That, very well said, Jay. Uh, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, very well said, Cardinals 11 and 11. But the problem is, I think fans direct their vitriol at Carp and the front office at the same time. Uh, but that's a reasonable thing to say, I think. Jay Ferg says, what's up, Kyle? Jay Ferg, my brother, as I flick you off because that's your thing. I mean this with the utmost respect to Jay Ferg. Thank you for being here. I'm going to raise my water to you, sir, because I need water. And also, I think water is more your thing anyways. Oh, terrific. James Goes Boom says six is a serious number. And that's the only lyrics to that song I know. Cardsfan022 says, don't care if it's Williams or no-go, just please know Dean. You know, again, I'm not the world's biggest Austin Dean fan. But uh, what I want is I just, you know, I want, if they choose Justin Williams, I want them to give him two or three weeks. And if he's terrible, if he's hitting like Matt Carpenter did in spring in two or three weeks, then go to no-go or Dean. Whoever ends up hitting, that is incredible. Like, that's that's all that matters to me. I just want whoever's hitting to be in the lineup or taking good at-bats to be in the lineup. Vala Vineyard says, potentially the Cardinals have the year to see and analyze Carlson to Young in time as possible cleanup. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Like, And that's kind of where I'm at. It's a shame that you need all three of them to kind of prove themselves, and they're probably going to have to try to prove themselves in the position. It's not one of those things where you can have them hit, you know, five, six, and seven, or six, seven, and eight, and then let one of them hit their way up, kind of like they did with Carlson at the end of the year when they called him back up and then put him in the playoffs. Like, I, that's what I want to see. I, you know, I, I want those guys to get a little bit of, of breathing room. That's kind of why I like Yachty at four. Look, if you can do Yachty at four, if Yachty can do it without hitting into too many double plays, uh, then, you know, it gives it gives the young a little bit of breathing room. It gives Tyler O'Neill a little bit of breathing room. It gives Dylan Carlson a little bit of breathing room to get themselves established before they're forced to be producers. So that's a uh, – I love that. Yeah, they're going to have to find it out of one of those guys for sure. Jay Ferg says, I need one, please, that STL logo. Um, it, you know what? It would be fun. It would be fun to produce them. I want to send that – that's the only one I made – um, and I kind of stole it from a design I saw online. Uh, but that's, uh, that's I might send that to my brother, Jim. I haven't really decided. But they're pretty cool. And, you know, I'm, I've am i really been toying with a, a wood, like wood carving and painting. Uh, that's like one of the, the hobbies that I've taken up uh, in the absence of minor league baseball. And it's a lot of fun, and I like doing it. Uh, J.P. Hill says, where do Thomas Libertor and Gorman start? And who do we see first in SDL? I get the impression that the Cardinals, especially the front office brass, would pick Libertor out of those three as the first one that you would see at the major league level. I would say, like, we talked about it a little earlier. I think the prep drafted kids I'd be a little less aggressive with 
Uh, I think I would start Libertor and Gorman at Springfield. The other thing about Gorman is if Gorman's going to play a lot of second base, if he's going to move out to the outfield a little bit here and there, I think that it's in his best interest to start at Springfield. You know, like, give him some time to work defensively at Springfield before facing that AAA challenge. You know, that's just my own personal opinion. Give him some breathing room. And again, Libertor is another prep drafted player. I'd like to see them, like, I'd like to just be a little less aggressive with him. Zach Thompson's different to me. I want Zach Thompson at Memphis. I want him, like, on the fast track. I want him to be the first guy, potentially, to, to make the debut out of the three. I want the SEC-raised player on the cusp of the majors. You know, the other thing about Zach Thompson is Zach Thompson has dealt with injury issues. We've written about this. You know, my, my tagline with Zach Thompson, other than changing the K to a backwards K, because I'm cute like that, uh, is that with the injury history that he has – Every successful bullet that he wastes at the minor league, uh, that he throws at the minor league level, if he's proving that he's capable at the minor league level, is a pitch that he's not going to be able to throw at the major league level. And if the major league level needs pitching, and he's wasting away at double A and being super effective without getting a taste of triple A, without getting a chance to be effective at triple A, then that's a huge miss in the organization's standpoint, in my personal opinion. And it stems mostly from his injury history as well as his SEC upbringing. Uh, Alan Hergett says 12 and 21. That'd be pretty cool. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, Josh Stuckey says, worst case, MM and KK are sideline longer. Who is the next arm to the rotation after Gant and Ponce? You know, I think it just depends on the timing. I think if you're talking three weeks into the season, uh, I mean, honestly, that's so tough. I wouldn't even know what they would do. So I would suspect at that point, Woodford can't be stretched out. I would think that maybe they'd continue to stretch out Oviedo. He might be the one. Um, if you're talking like right away, say that uh, Gant gets hurt in his first start, which is terrible. And I, But I would imagine Woodford just kind of slides in there because of preparation. Um, you know, that's a that's a great question. They don't have someone, pardon me, they don't have someone like Nabil Krismat who they can rely on an advanced age. You know, maybe it's a... Uh, um, um, uh, the the lefty that they got in the Rule 5 draft. Garrett Williams, I think is his name. Maybe they go in that direction. Maybe it's just a bullpen start. Maybe they throw the whole bullpen at it. Um, you know, I really don't know how to answer that question. I would imagine that they would take into account service time and maybe treat it just like they did in 2020, where all of a sudden it's guys like Roel Ramirez and Jesus Cruz who are getting the start in that particular uh, in that particular situation. Cards fan 022 says, if you think about it, Ponce is like Lance Lynn with more control problems. I, I mean, yeah, I, if you, yeah, sure. Why not? I, I, I can't comprehend it because I am very dumb, but yeah, sure. Why not? Beefy Hounds 83 says, I appreciate the reply. I just really want Williams to excel when given the opportunity. Yeah. I am definitely cheering for Justin Williams. He's a good kid, man. You know, uh, uh, a couple years back, he punched a TV and I, I, understand that i'm an emotional mess and specifically when i was in my early 20s i was more of an emotional wreck than i am now uh so yeah look it's nice to see him making strides to from that point to the point he's at right now and to see the changes that he's made in his swing to shorten it up from being super long those are all positives and to pretty well do it on his own is a huge positive too he's a he's a smart kid he has good baseball sense he gets a little lost out there in right field sometimes he's kind of frustrating sometimes as an outfielder but uh, if he's hitting, he's hitting. And as a left-handed swinger, it's nice that you have a guy who 
has historically at the minor league level at least hit lefties well. He's an interesting guy for sure. Jay Ferg says water is delicious. I'm going to get some more, Jay Ferg. Oh, terrific. Friggin' cards and Cardinals gifts are my men. Josh Stuckey says, Delvin Perez seemingly leveled up this spring. Long-term progno- uh, prognosis, I don't have one. Again, until I see him playing every day and getting a feel for how his, his approach has changed, I can't begin to give a, 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 an, uh, like a changed long-term prognosis on him. He definitely leveled up. He got stronger. And remember, like, we talk about it just being this offseason, but what people forget is that he has got he got bigger the previous offseason too, between the 2019 and 2020 season. And he was actually poised, kind of, relatively speaking, to break out in minor league camp in 2020 before COVID hit. So what he was given is a larger window to expand his his um, offseason work to get bigger and stronger. And he did that. He took advantage of it. And we've seen that pay off already. You know, again, I I can't give a uh, uh, long-term outlook on him just yet. He missed an entire year of competitive baseball, relative stateside competitive baseball, and he's dealing with a whole new body. So let's wait until we can actually see what it means in competitive action before we we start to evaluate what his long-term abilities are. I know that he did everything that he could to commit himself to baseball and put himself in a position to excel where he has otherwise not excelled. If you go back to the 2019 season at the end of 2019, remember he was doing a lot of really positive things. He just wasn't slugging. His base running had got better. His fielding had gotten better. Uh, He was hitting the ball with a little bit more authority. He was taking steps forward. How that's going to project out. I can't even begin to understand specifically following a, a vacant 2020 season. Uh, Josh Tucky says, I like the, I like the Yachty as four, but worry they'd walk pitch around him to clog bases. Yeah. I mean, sure. But I guess a good pod, the one positive about walking or pitching him around, uh, pitching around him is that's just quicker that you can get back to Edmund Arenado and Goldie, <laughs> you know, like, I don't know that's terrible, but I like, I, I don't know. Like I, it's just tough. Right. And you make a really good point because then say that, say that, uh, Goldschmidt drives in Edmund, you know, uh, Arenado moves Goldie to third and he's on first. Yachty gets walked or Yachty gets pitched around. But the thing about Yachty getting pitched around is unless you're putting four up, uh, he's swinging at everything, which to me, the double play concern is there as him as a four hitter, specifically with Arenado as a three hitter, who's kind of slow, uh, you know, not, not as fast as Goldie, although Goldie's not super fast either. Um, but yeah, look, look, what I'm saying more than anything, and I think what you're saying too, just going at it a different way, is there are problematic things after one, two, and three in the lineups. And there might even be problems at one. And it's just, how do you mitigate that? And to me, I think having contact or having a guy after Goldie and Arenado who can put the ball in the air and like drive one of them in from third with one out is is more important or is more important to this offense than a guy who might be able to put the ball over the wall but strike out 25 to 30% of the time. Uh, and that's what my concern is with PDJ specifically. Um, but to your point, like your next point, Josh Stuckey, is make DeYoung, Carlson, or Tun beat them. I- I'm right there with you. I-, I Again, to me, the issue is that I just don't know what to do with the lineup. And 
I I just like that the one guy that I can rely on to maybe drive in a run from third is if Goldie's at third or Arenado's at third uh, or Edmonds at third is Yadier Molina. So that that's where I'm at. Cards fan zero twenty two says. It's honestly unbelievable what Wayno is doing at 39. Yeah, we're we're an hour and 10 minutes, hour and a half into this, or whatever we are into this, and uh, we haven't even talked about Adam Wainwright. Look, uh, I if I could give my soul for the health of one person for the next year, it's Adam Wainwright. I want him to have a magical 2021 season. Uh, I want him to continue to pitch like he did in 2020, and uh, I would give my life essence to make that happen because that's the kind of guy that Adam Wainwright is. Uh, and the success that he deserves is unparalleled uh, from anyone on the team, really. It is it is absolutely amazing. Uh, what does Mike Schilt look like? Mike Schilt looks like if you put putty into an air fryer for two hours and then put it in the freezer for 15 minutes and then try to form it back as a person in a jersey. Uh, because I'm cute like that, says Josh Stuckey. Brent Esquire says, Z Thompson is comparable to what pitcher? Missed his SEC performances. I don't know. I, you know, sometimes we get carried away with with the uh, what does he compare it to? You know, we've seen him have pinpoint accuracy with his curveball. We've seen his slider be really good. You know, maybe a younger version of the success that we've seen out of Austin Gomber over the last year and a half. Like maybe something like that. Just again, I always try my hardest to keep it in Cardinals in the Cardinals periphery because a those are the players that I know better. Uh, and also, like, I don't know enough, like, I just, I don't know where else to go with that. Look, he's a very good pitcher. Again, I think if he's healthy and he's calm on the mound, he's a middle of the rotation, like, you pencil him in the middle of the rotation. So whatever that is to you, um, he, he works aggressive. Sometimes he's a little bit too violent in his delivery. He has a smooth delivery, but you can see when he's extra violent in his delivery, when he's extra strong in his delivery and it doesn't always pan out for him that's when he's kind of flying open overthrowing his fastball a little bit but yeah look he's just a really crafty player who you know maybe if you're talking about not like the 189 era austin gomber from last year but had he started over an entire year and been able to extrapolate that you know he's he's a guy who can have an ER like an era of 310 with a k per inning you know striking out somewhere between 20 and 25 percent of base hitters rather or maybe 18 to 22 percent of hitters uh, uh and getting righties out getting lefties out uh, he's he's just a really good pitcher you know he's a really crappy pitcher and as far as a comparison uh, i've rambled on i could have just said and stuck with what i said is that i really don't know what to do and i'm sorry uh one of the greatest at bats ever flamethrower uh, the flamethrower versus luis guillorme uh that was an awesome moment in spring training you know uh it sucked for Jordan Hicks, but it was an awesome moment nonetheless. Hey, B-Love, how are you, bud? Uh, it's good to see you. Thank you for being in here. I love you. How much do we see carp pinch hitting? You know, I, we're going to see it a lot, right? Look, I don't necessarily know if it's the right thing, but I guarantee that we're going to see it happen a lot. Uh, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, even though Justin Williams is better against lefties, say Austin Dean gets a start right and both Williams and Carpenter are on the bench we're going to see Carpenter come before Williams because that's just how Mike Schilt does things. So I would imagine, B-Love, it's going to be a lot. Love you, B-Love. Thanks for being in here, bud. Hey, JT Vonderhaar says, did someone just refer to clogging bases like it's a bad thing? Hey, yeah, you know, that's a good point. Like, the Cardinals haven't had a whole lot of base runners. It'd be nice to get some clog out there as compared to what we've normally had. Mm. Terrific stuff, JT. 
Uh, did someone else see? Uh, hey, Noah Nelson, what's up, bud? How are you, friend? Uh, Josh Stuckey says, thanks for the lineup answers. If they have PG and a 2-3, prefer to see P at 8, but the lineup is a question. I get why people say prefer to see the pitcher at 8. Like, I understand that, but I think sometimes that goes into just overthinking the lineup. Uh, and I definitely like, like the idea of, uh, you know, getting a fresh leadoff hitter before Edmund as a potential another person to get on base before those guys. But then the positive there is if you have a pitcher who's capable of bunting, then say that the eight hitter gets on base, then you can bunt him over to second and then Edmund or Goldie or Arenado have the chance to drive him in from second, you know, depending on the out situation. Uh, it's all just going to go into the situation. I don't mind the pitcher hitting eight, but I, I just, with this lineup, like, I don't know who you bat ninth that you'd feel comfortable as that quote unquote second leadoff hitter. Uh, somebody who gets on base a lot. You don't really have anybody like that, that you can count on that isn't going to hit one through seven, right? Yeah. Maybe Carlson ninth, uh, but you don't want to do that either. Right. It, you don't want to do that. I mean, Justin Williams ninth. I think that that kind of eliminates some of the success, you know, maybe Austin Dean ninth of Austin Dean or John Nagowski, like, I wouldn't be opposed specifically to someone like John Nagowski hitting ninth. I think that'd be really interesting. Sure, he's slow. He's might get lapped by Tommy Edmund. He's not that slow, but uh, yeah, I think it just depends on who's in the who's in the lineup, particularly. JT Bonderhar says, "Do you have a guy that you like in the draft that might be there when the Cardinals pick?" I'm not. No, no. You know, this time last year uh, when COVID came, I realized that I wasn't going to have minor league baseball, and I started really digging into the draft. I have not done that at all this year, aside from the top like ten guys. I, I, I am not even remotely prepared to even talk about the draft and I'm embarrassed and I feel like I've let people down by not being there. But I would say that it's a pretty deep draft and some of the names that I've seen go in like 20, like uh, Mar Marcelo Meyer, um, I I've seen go like 22, 23. I would love him at 18 for the Cardinals. Uh, Marcello, I think I, I say Marcelo. Uh, Marcello. Um, like they're look, it's a good draft, and I'm I'm happy because the Cardinals are going to be able to get a really talented player at 18, no doubt about that. Uh, Jay Duda says 18 pitching Cowboys, Gant Ranch really rocks. I don't know what that is. I love it though. Uh, Jay Frank the Tank says, Hey Jay Frank, I think we should trade for Arenado. What say you? I'll tell you what. I think that'd be a really good idea, and I think that's exactly what the Cardinals lineup needs. I miss you too, B-Love. Uh, CardsFan022 says, Austin Dean for Schilt is the Matt Bowman to Mike Matheny. What would be, uh, maybe like Austin Dean is the Greg Garcia, where somehow Greg Garcia was still getting at bats and getting reps, even though Greg Garcia was terrible. Uh, again, look, I'm. we also have to defer to Craig Mesh. Like, I trust in Craig Mesh. Craig Mesh might have been on the entire time with uh, 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 Mr. Um, Dean. Maybe he ends up being an everyday player. Maybe he becomes this generation Skip Schumacher or something like that. Uh, we'll wait and see. That'd be pretty cool if it worked out that way, wouldn't it? Uh, Fly the L. Uh, uh, Jeff Neal says, FMK, pastel M&M's, Peeps, or chocolate Easter bunny. Look, I love, I love M&M's and I love chocolate Easter bunnies and I'm not so high on Peeps, although I love them and I'll eat them uh, as compared to the other two. So I'd have to kill Peeps in this, this particular situation. I would have to uh, marry – you'd have to marry the bunny, right? Because, I mean, bunnies are synonymous with banging. And then you'd uh, you'd just go ahead and bang that pastel M&M. You guys stay right here. I'm going to go get some more moves. Ugh.
Yeah, we're moving to the makers. <laughs> just a little bit. Just a little taste because we've got some cheers to do. All right, so real fast, I want to cheers as we fill up the bottom of our glass to all of the pad people. All-time favorite utility player for the Cardinals from Drew McPherson. Um, Craig Paquette. I hated Craig Paquette at the time, but Craig Paquette was a great utility player for the Cardinals. Scott Spezio. Uh, Eduardo Perez was great for the Cardinals for a while. Um, I will say Scott Spezio. The soul patch rules. To Scott Spezio, I raise my glass. I hope everything is well in that guy's world. Jesus Christ. And to all, wait, real fast, to all the pad people, thank you for being here on an impromptu Prospects After Dark on a Sunday night as we near the end of Prospects After Dark on Periscope. And whatever comes next comes next. I don't know if somebody else is going to have to figure that out for me. Um, but more importantly, to all the pad people who have made two and a half years of Prospects After Dark uh, worth doing, uh, thank you to pad people. Jay Nudot says, it was weird when I realized Dean's average was higher than Carpenter's OPS. Oh, my God. Poor Matt Carpenter, man. I just, I'd love for him to just find some magic. You know, I'm going to say this, too. Last spring training, I thought Dexter Fowler was dead in the water. I thought Dexter Fowler was in that position in spring training where he didn't stand a chance. And I thought he would be miserable. And honestly, aside from Paul Goldschmidt, when he was healthy, Dexter Fowler was the best hitter on the team. So maybe by some miracle of Cardinals gods, of the baseball gods, Carpenter can rediscover it. What did Mr. Mish say about Austin Dean? Uh, so uh, Mr. Mish loves Austin Dean. Uh, he likes the type of person he is, so naturally he roots for Austin Dean, as any smart person would. And he thinks Austin, I remember at one point he said that he thought Austin Dean would be the starting left fielder for the Cardinals last year and that he deserved it. And honestly, I mean, whatever. But uh, uh, he just he's bullish on Austin Dean. Remember, Austin Dean was kind of like the Marlins minor league version of what minor league Matt Carpenter was for the Cardinals, a little bit older, who was producing and who won a minor league uh, position player of the year award for for the Marlins, just like uh, uh, Carpenter did. You know, not with super impressive numbers. I think he only had like 10 home runs or 12 home runs or something like that, just like Carp did. But it was all about the at-bats he was taking. And and the Marlins brass, they were really excited about him. And Marlins fans were really excited about him. And he just never kind of came to be. It's kind of like Jose Rondon, honestly. Kind of the same thing there. Rondon is an average fielder who had a bat and then just never really got an opportunity. And the Cardinals kind of took advantage of that. Um, that's Yeah, so that's what Mr. Mish thinks about uh, uh, Mr. Dean. Jay Frank the Tank says, I feel like this is the question every year, but does the success of the offense come down to ability to generate base runners and move them? I think we can drive them in, but need to get on base. I do. I know. So in the two and a half years of Mike Schilt, the Cardinals have been successful when he is aggressive, not only on the base pass, uh, but with managerial decisions, right? He takes over from Mike Matheny in 2018. The team is a game above 500. And then he gets aggressive. He gets aggressive on the base pass. He gives a starting outfield job to Dexter Fowler. But other than that, he's aggressive with pitching changes. He's aggressive with bullpen changes. He's aggressive with lineup changes. And the Cardinals have a historically great August. And then in September of 2018, he goes back to being kind of a, a malignant manager, a, a manager who isn't aggressive, who just lets the chips fall where they may. And they have an average September. Fast forward to 2019, his first full year as manager. They go in and through the same amount of games that it took the Cardinals to fire Mike Matheny, they have the same record in 2019 as they had in 2018. 
And it's the same thing. Uh, Schultz isn't stealing bases. He's not being aggressive. He's not being aggressive on the bases. He's not being aggressive with the lineup changes. He's not being aggressive with pitchers. He's not being aggressive with the bullpen. Uh, all of that stuff. And then the same thing happens. They hit that that mark. He makes some crazy flippant comments about uh, uh, nonsense. And then the Cardinals start hitting. He starts getting aggressive. They start running more. They start changing people out of the bullpen. Uh, they start changing the rotation a little bit. They start uh, uh, going with guys that they don't normally go with. And then they start to hit again. They have another great August. And then September comes around, and he doesn't make outfield changes. He doesn't make pitching changes. He goes back to being a, a, a hands-off manager and going to John Gant, who was worn down, even though he had other options, even though Daniel Ponce de Leon wasn't getting a sniff. He, he just So to answer your question, and then last year we saw them be a 500 team. And granted, last year is so whole weird. You know, you miss 17 games. You have 1,800 doubleheaders. Uh, you play 45 games in 30 days or something crazy like that. Uh, so it's hard to judge that. But, again, that's a 500 team that isn't aggressive on the base paths and isn't aggressive with lineup changes and isn't aggressive with pitching changes and just kind of does paint by numbers. Uh, and, again, when you're talking about a team like the St. Louis Cardinals, who in the past have had trouble generating offense, you have to get aggressive to make that offense happen. If, if that answers your question. Jay Duda says, Justin Williams tattooing line drives and hitting from the left side seems pretty valuable. Sorry if that was already said. No, look, I think that that's a great way to, to kind of cap an episode of Prospects After Dark on a Sunday. It's very important to have as many players as possible tattooing line drives uh, uh, and hitting the baseball and getting on base uh, in this lineup for the St. Louis Cardinals as possible. So, again, we already, we already raised our glass to the pad people. The next cheers is always the pad people, but it's also to our birds on the black people. I want to raise my glass uh, to Cardinals gifts, my brother in arms for all this time, uh, and will continue to be my brother in arms uh, and his brother in arms, friggin' cards. Family is family, my, my friend. We're like the Fast and the Furious gang. Oh, family. Family, I'm my family. I'm, I'm, this is my family. Oh, so to Cardinals gifts, to Enchil, Nicholas Childress, who is an awesome, uh, uh, just an awesome person and also an awesome contributor, to Stu Styles, who is just four days away from providing us with these amazingly beautiful game recaps, with this amazingly beautiful scorecard. I cannot wait to see that. To Zach Gifford, uh, who does Nerds on the Black when Nerds on the Black happens. I love Zach. Ben Cerruti, who's writing some amazing articles. Check out Ben's um, projections on Birds on the Black. Also, check out Conversations with Saruti. Um, he's doing amazing stuff over there. They're all really good and really enjoyable. Check out the one with Stu. Like I said, I listened to half of it, uh, and I didn't turn it back on, not for any reason, but because the, I turned my car off, went into work, and then never got back to it because I'm a, I'm a rube. Uh, and then Tara Woman and Alex Chris Foley, who do Chirps. Check out Chirps. It's awesome. And uh, just, you know, again, Josh is not home. Uh, Josh, is, Josh is not Tomei. Uh, to all of the birds on the black family, I raise my glass. Thank you again, as always, for letting me be a part of, of this amazing um, thing. Ah, sorry if it was already said. Uh, some weird writing. Cheers to opening day, four days away. Thank you to everyone. Chirps officially the best underground cards podcast. Chirps is the best podcast, no doubt. I also want to give a little cheers. I'm going to pour just a little bit more. To C70 and Alan Medlock, uh, Meet Me at Usual has been incredible. They've had great guests on. Um, the Cat, 
I mean, just incredible stuff. So if you're not listening to Meet Me Unusual, check that out with uh, Alan Medlock and C70. But again, to all of the pad people, all of the birds on the black people, I raise my glass. It's always a pleasure to do Prospects After Dark. I'm privileged to have the audience and to be a member of the audience that is supplying me with content uh, that we are all sharing together. Uh, so if you listen to this, if you are listening to this, or if you are watching this, you are part of the resistance. Eric Thomas, our good friend, was the one who coined that. Miss Eric, haven't seen him in here in a while. I hope he's doing well. Um, uh, so to all the Pat people, all the Bot Beat people. And that's it. That's it for Pat on March 28th. Uh, the next time we talk to you, more than likely will be the night before, tis the night before the season and all through the apartment. Not a window was dry except for m my armpit. Cheers to the best corner infield in baseball. That's right. Uh, so again, for everybody at Birds on the Black, everybody at Prospects After Dark, I am Kyle Reese. If you watch this, you're part of the Reese resistance. And as always, family, happy hunting. Welcome to the beginning of the 2021 St. Louis Cardinal season. And have a great night.